This is a serial podcast, an ongoing story. If you're new to the Orbis Ethereum, no worries, jump in right here. If you like what you hear, and I know you will, you can always catch up later. I'm Carlos, your storyteller, and this is Tales from the Orbis Ethereum. Season 2, Episode 19, Half-Truths of Questionable Convenience. Frau Finnegan approaches the core, the housing of the Keystone, and reaches out. She's close. Oh, she's so very, very close. Then a bolt of lightning hits her hand, and she recoils. Turning to its source, Finnegan sees Argent Mar, son of President Elwyn Mar, and he is not alone. With him is boyfriend Lyle Bulwark, the VP's son, and like Argent, a noble young man tasked with great responsibilities. Accompanying the two are Hideko Fujita, pyromancer and the melee specialist, and Nori Hisakawa, her lover, a powerful woman for whom ethermancy is not merely a privilege, but a means of mobility. Ethermancers all, protectors of the Leviathan, and now... Finnegan's opponents. No more hiding, demon! Hideko barks. Reveal what you truly are! Hideko, Argent, Nori, and Lyle all prepare themselves, and Finnegan knows that she's in trouble, even with her considerable strength. You want to know who I am? Finnegan asks. Fine. Energy swirls around Finnegan. Some combination of ether and something else. It swirls around her, engulfing her. And soon she transforms from human scientist to deity. Flowing robes replace Finnegan's clothes and she gains a hauntingly beautiful aura, one that pulsates with an energy that's not quite ether, but intermingles with ether, like the two have always belonged together. Finnegan's robes and hair flow about, like a perfect wind is perpetually hitting her. Materializing in Finnegan's hand is a massive greatsword, a holy, ruined blade that hums as it cuts through the air. Finnegan effortlessly holds up the massive blade in one hand, pointing it at Argent and his friends. Demon is not the right word, she says, her voice echoing, reverberating unnaturally throughout the core chamber. Argent, Lyle, Hideko, and Nori all brace themselves. No longer certain they're dealing with someone, some 
thing mortal. Then what should we call you, Frau Finnegan? Argent asks. I've had many names, Argent. Names you and your kind have given me since well before this dimension of ether came to be. But for simplicity's sake, call me Hera. The God Hera. I'm afraid you're going to have to fill me in, Hera. Argent responds, stalling for time, needing more of it to assess this new enemy. Hera of the Greek pantheon, from before our current age of Aether, Nori explains, discerning Argent's intent. Deity of women, capable of both humble majesty and terrible wrath. <laughs> Such knowledge from one so young. Finnegan, no, Hera compliments. And not many study the old religions, the ancient gods from before all existence, irreversibly changed. But that is neither here nor there, as you mortals would say. I helped you destroy Jarl Trun's invading army. In return, you will give me the keystone in the Leviathan's core. If you take that artifact, you're dooming everyone on this ship, including yourself, Lyle tells Hera. You are mistaken, actually. I am only dooming you and your people. I will be fine. I am of the Earth, entwined within her very being, even in the shattered state she exists in now. Once this body fades, I will reconstitute there. Argent takes a chance and says, Say we believe you. Believe you're a... God. You said the gods watched over humanity. Why would you leave us for dead? Acceptable losses, Argentmar. Retrieving the keystone is more important than any and every life on this vessel. Bullshit, Argent fires back. You're lying, Hera. You could have taken the keystone when it was still on Earth. And if our lives really are forfeit, you wouldn't be desperately pleading with us to just back off right now. In fact, I seem to remember you telling Hidako and I that you need to feed off of human beings' life energy. So far from Earth, I bet you're feeling pretty parched. So why not just absorb ours? Right now. Drain us, leave us as dry husks. Unless you can't. Ethermancers are immune to your feeding methods, I'm guessing. Hera looks less than pleased. But Argent does not let up. I have a counter-proposal for you, Hera. Surrender. Turn yourself in to the ship's authorities, which happen to be, at the moment, me and my three deputies here. To his friends, Argent says, By the way, you're, you're all deputies now. All of you. Deputies. Huh. Aren't I always? Lyle answers coyly. Turning back to Hera, 
Argent finishes laying out his ultimatum. For your assistance repelling the invaders, I'll make sure you're tried fairly. If you don't surrender, though, you die here. And maybe you're God, and you'll just reassemble on Earth or whatever. And maybe you're not, and you'll just be dead. Either way, you are not getting that keystone. Make your choice, Hera. And don't waste my time. Make it now. Hera's face tells a story. That story started from a place of superiority, confidence, assured victory. That story is now one of fear, anger, malice, and all the legendary wrath Hera was once known for. Nori senses this. My friends, I think she's telling the truth. Call her a god, call her something else, but... But this isn't entirely ether that she's using. And whatever it is, it's it's getting stronger. I can feel it. Soon enough, Hera's energy, that mix of ether and an unknown power, pulse visibly from her body. Each pulse radiates out, slamming into Argent and his friends, pushing them back. Argent has had enough. Take her out! He roars. Outside the Leviathan, from the wall, the seemingly infinite precipice of reality, that endless barrier of swirling purples and reds, a wisp of ether, a tiny little trail of violet energy, seeps out. Mistakable for any other discharge from the wall, this tiny little wisp of ether soon turns into a tendril. It moves with purpose, guided by a malevolent will, towards the Leviathan. The tendril of ether soon reaches the ship, finding an opening, a joint it can slip into. Within the Leviathan, the tendril of ether sticks to roofs and vents, silently making its way to the core. Argent and Lyle are sent flying back as Hiriko and Nori rush forward, ethermancy clashing against whatever mighty energy it is that Hera commands. A spectacular, violent showcase of light and sound. The self-proclaimed god fights fluidly, each movement of the blade a smooth blend of offense and defense, parting Hiriko's flame as Hera attempts to cut into Nori's shell of ether construct armor. The armor holds... As Argent and Lyle strike, a tandem blast of electrified, pressurized water slamming into Hera with considerable force. Argent and Hiriko press further, using ether-enhanced strength and speed to engulf Hera in a torrent of punches, kicks, knees, elbows, 
and headbutts. Backpedaling, putting some distance between herself and her opponents, the god swings her blade in a wide arc, seemingly hitting nothing. A shockwave of that radiant, frightful power explodes out. That odd blend of ethermancy and something else that Argent and his party do not fully comprehend. The four ethermancers take the blow and recover, all breathing heavily as they ready themselves for the next round. Hera is not winded. Oh, ethermancers are such foolish creatures, the god declares. Such misguided benevolence, such fantastic power. Wasted. Hera drives her divine blade into the floor, where its light traces veins along the ground towards the four friends. The trails of light reach their target, then erupt, bathing them in a blast of divine energy. Argent cries out in pain, feeling the attack in a way he's never felt anything before. Not good, Argent thinks, desperate for an answer to the god's might. Tell me, Argent Mar and his deputies, what do you know about the Ethermancer Registration Act? Don't answer that, actually, because what you know is wrong. Utterly, completely wrong. Ethermancers dominated the rest of humanity and needed to be contained. That's the narrative, right? Except that is not how it happened. What are you talking about? Argent demands. History, Argent Mar. The history of humanity after the universe, after human beings themselves, irreversibly changed. What if I told you that only a handful of ethermancers were so problematic? That most ethermancers were benevolent, helpful, or at worst, just wanted to live in peace. Your father knows, Argent Mar. In fact, I worked with him to actively undercut Ethermancer's rights and freedoms. Shut your lying mouth, Argent spits. Oh, I have participated in my fair share of deception, Argent Mar, make no mistake. But this is not one of those times, not now. This is the truth. Ethermancer's were never a threat. Oh, you don't believe me? Tell me, Argent Mar, you who have never worn a suppression collar ever in your life. Do you feel the supposedly innate, violent tendencies Ethermancers are purported to have? Argent glares at Hera, his teeth gritted, realizing that she's right. And you, Lyle Bulwark? Lyle says nothing for a moment, still shaking off Hera's last blast. Then he answers, No, I have not. 
Argent Lyle, do not listen to this devil. She realizes the fight is unwinnable and is simply buying time. Hideko barks. Then you believe Ethermancers are inherently ill-tempered and vicious? Hera asks the girl. What I believe does not concern you, monster. Hideko snaps back. The four ready themselves again. And soon the fight is back on. Electrically charged melee attacks, quick dodges around Hera's heavy blade, ether projectiles of numerous types, spears of water. The scene is one of controlled mayhem. Hera clearly capable of holding her own against four talented ethermancers. Soon, though, Argent and company find themselves gaining the upper hand, landing more clean hits, making the supposed god commit to risky and easily avoidable attacks. Suddenly, before any of them can react, that wisp of ether, that malevolent tendril, seeps into the core chamber and wraps itself around the keystone. No! Hera shouts, lunging at the artifact. But it's too late. With alarming speed, the keystone, now cocooned in ether, is absorbed into the tendril, shrinking into the ether tentacle like a snake's fresh meal played out at high speed. In an instant... The tendril retracts. Outside the Leviathan, the tendril pulls away from the ship and retreats back into the infinite barrier, the grand wall known on the other side as Orbis Edge. The keystone begins a journey, a voyage that will last seven years before emerging from the other side, close to a research and military installation that Earthlings will eventually learn the existence of, Orbis Edge Lighthouse. There, after that seven-year trip, the Keystone will trigger great battles, leading to valiant efforts to keep the whole Orbis Ethereum from coming undone. Back in the Leviathan's core chamber, Hera loses her will to fight. She holds out her divine greatsword, and it phases out of existence. You have no idea what you have done, Argent Mar. She begins. She's interrupted when a lance of electrified, pressurized water pierces her skull. Argent and Lyle's combination attack. It ends the fight. Even then, though, her head split open. With no blood or brain to be seen, Hera speaks. You have no idea what you have done. But you will.
like the sword, Hera herself fizzles out of existence, as though she was tethered to reality, and that anchor was just destroyed. Did... did we win? Lyle asks, cautiously optimistic. Arjun thinks on Hera's words, how the supposed god claimed she would just reappear, alive and well, on Earth. No, love, Arjun answers. We didn't win at all. The UFN's government is compromised. We have to warn our fathers. And the Leviathan is also compromised. The Keystone was the ship's main power source. Then there is much to do, Hideko states. Nori squeezes her girlfriend's shoulder. So let's do it, she adds. Let's all do it, together. Over the next few days, Argent Mar cements his command over the Leviathan. He orders reduced power and supply consumption, stock-taking and counting of everything and everyone aboard, and engages the Leviathan's backup generators, slow but reliable devices that gradually draw from the surrounding ether, generating a mere fraction of the Keystone's output. Argent also orders development of some way to contact the EUFN, to warn them of the situation, to warn the remnant of Earth of this supposed god, Hera, and potentially any others like her. Argentmar does not yet know it, but he, Lyle, Hideko, Nori, and the rest of the Leviathan's crew will be stranded beside Orbis Edge for five long years. Their stories, their trials and tribulations will be told in due time. That's it for this episode. I know you enjoyed what you just heard. I can feel it. Regardless, your feedback sustains me. Given enough feedback, I would not need food. I would live off of that feedback. As such, I want to hear from you. Whether you're new to the podcast or you're a regular. My site is orbisetherum.com. O-R-B-I-S-A-E-T-H-E-R-U-M dot com. On social media, I'm at Orbisetherum on Twitter and Orbisetherum on Google+, Facebook, and Tumblr. While I always love hearing from my listeners, I especially love positive reviews, and leaving one wherever you found this podcast helps me out immensely. I'm on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play Music, TuneIn Radio, and Pocket Casts. Just search for Tales from the Orbis Ethereum. This week's shout-out is to a couple of fall 2016 animes that I am reviewing uh, as part of the uh, anime review show that I co-host, the Carlos and Dave Anime Rave. The best anime review show on the internet, you can find it at animerave.xyz. There will also be a link in the podcast description. These two animes we've been watching are Yuri on Ice and Flip Flappers. 
And I recommend both of them. Yuri on Ice is about a down on his luck Olympic figure skater named Yuri and his chance encounter with his childhood, he- childhood hero. It is a very fascinating combination of slice of life, of sports, drama, of comedy, of uh, a lot of heartfelt emotions and feelings and expressiveness and some of the most wonderfully animated figure skating I've ever seen in animation, period. Uh, Yuri on Ice is fantastic. The other one, Flip Flappers, is a magical girl show. It uh, so far has not descended into some rather predictable uh, kind of angsty narratives and so far has remained, remained kind of a... I want to say light and fun, even though it's not really light. There's quite a lot to interpret and quite a lot of depth of character to our two main magical girls, Kokona and Papika. It has, however, been quite fun. It has a real clamp meets Studio Ghibli vibe. And while I'm not actually uh, someone who likes every single thing that Ghibli has put out, Flip Flappers definitely reminds me of uh, some of the more positive elements of it and of clamp programs. And it's a very, very, very good Magical Girl show that has so far been a lot of fun. Flip Flappers and Yuri on Ice, I recommend both. And you can see our reviews of them, me and my uh, buddy Dave, on our anime review show, Carlos and Dave Anime Rave, the best anime review show on the internet, AnimeRave.xyz. I have another shout-out, and it's not so much a shout-out as it is a moment of, um, I guess, reflection and catharsis, given events that happened earlier this week. Uh, And this one goes out to my American friends, and it specifically goes out to my non-white, non-cisgender American friends. I... I'm Canadian, so there's very little I can do for you. We all know full well that the lunatic that was put in power and his potentially even worse vice president and potentially even worse than them both, House of Representatives and Senate are going to do very bad things. And that... Unless you are a cisgender white person, and you have better odds if you're a man than if you're a woman, sadly. That, uh, unless you are a cisgender white person, you are going to be in for years of hell. I don't envy you. I also can't really do much for you. I can offer you my prayers, my condolences, my, my hopes that you will live that you will endure, that you will not allow these these monsters to, to end you. What I can do, the only thing I can do, what I have had an epiphany about, and what I plan to do in full force as much as I possibly can, is entertain. I can try to be that safe space away from reality for... At least a few minutes every week. I talked earlier in the year about how I want to do uh, novels, not just of Orbis Etherum, but also of other other stories that I've been working on and writing for some time. Uh, and I'll have more details about those soon. Hopefully those can be some kind of relief as well. 
in terms of things that you don't have to pay for, this podcast will always be free. Yeah, I do got a Patreon link in the description, but but don't concern yourself with that. Concern yourself with staying alive, staying healthy, resisting the oppressive regime that has just been visited upon you through no fault of your own. It's rabid and unfortunately horrible supporters. Focus on staying alive and as positive as you can. Don't let anybody tell you you're not worthwhile. Don't let anyone tell you that it's not worth being angry about because you are worthwhile and you should be pissed. What I will try to do from my end is entertain you. If there is any way I can do that better, do not hesitate to tell me. And that's all I wanted to say. As always, thank you so much for listening. Until we meet again, and we will meet again.